Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listen up, sports fans. Spotify, you've heard about it, you know about it. They have a new feature called Green Room. Green Room is live, audio-only sports talk platform, and it's free to download and use. You can talk to the Born Ready Pod guys, insiders, athletes in real time about the games, about the post-games, about the pre-games, about all the games. You can do that on the Spotify Green Room. This is what I want you to do. I want you to download the Spotify Green Room app from the iOS or Android App Store. What you do is you create a profile and you link your Twitter account to join a league. And these leagues vary from any league you can possibly think of, about any sports topic you can possibly think of. Get on Spotify Green Room today and join the conversation. Man, did this dude just did this? With the 20th pick in the 2016 NBA Draft, the Indiana Pacers select Karis LeVert from the University of Michigan. The problem is you don't want to mess with a bat because, as you may know, they can be ratted. So there goes our test after somebody in the stands. And he is going after a fan, and he is waylaying a fan, and this thing is now getting ugly. Got them all? Just a has come in all three. Do we have them all? He did first time in NBA history. that three brothers on the floor at the same time. It's- Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. Welcome back to a special edition episode of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. My name is Chris Cook. Joining me here, as always, Eric Hawk. Special guest later in the show, as usual, Jake Light is joining the podcast. He's currently on vacation, but he had some time earlier today. So him and Hawk had recorded his thoughts to the big news. But uh, I think I already have an idea of what he honed in on in his discussion so i'm not going to use a lot of his talking points here in my intro but big news in indiana here today rick carlisle rejoining the pacers uh he used to be the coach back from 2003 to 2007 and after recently leaving the dallas mavericks just about a week ago has signed on to be the pacers coach for the next four years he's going to earn a whopping 29 million dollars during that contract Running just seven and a quarter a year. So big contract for a coach. Not really expecting the Simons to pony out or the Simon. Yeah, well, Simon and his son. I kind of said it there like him and his his brother was still alive, but it's just Herb and his son running the team now, but still the Simons. Uh ponying out the money to uh to pay a coach that much when they were paying, you know, Nate McMillan half that, Frank Vogel half that, and obviously Bjorkren had a smaller contract, but um, before we get into this, I mean, initial thoughts to seeing the, the, the Carlisle news that he is back here with the Pacers. Yeah, I was, uh, I wasn't necessarily shocked, but you know, when I saw the contract, I was a little surprised. Like you said, it was four years, 29 million plus incentives. So, I mean, if we win the NBA title, he could be, that could be over 30 million, which would be absolutely crazy for the Simons to spend. And as Jake points out later in the episode, 
we both don't believe that they're going to spend that kind of money and not, you know, seriously make some changes to the team, get them to a point where they're competitive. We talked about how Nate McMillan's offense in Atlanta looks a little different and, and how Carlisle's offense in Dallas looks a lot different than the, what we ran. And it's because of personnel. So we're hoping that was our main hope. But as far as the coach goes, I think Carlisle was the best available, and that's easy to say now. I mean, that's easy to say now when there's nothing on the line. But for $29 million, we hope that we're going to make the playoffs next year with this roster, depending on what happens, and from then just kind of go forward with, with this whole thing. So I'm pretty excited for Carlisle's second stint in Indiana. Yeah, and I do want to say, like, I think for both parties, you know, McMillan's the hot topic here. I think it has worked out perfectly for both parties. You know, he's having the success in Atlanta. And let's not forget, I mean, you know, McMillan's done a great job and all the credit goes to him, you know, for for what he's been able to do with this roster. You know, they were like the 11th seed in March 1st, and now they're in, you know, the conference finals up 1-0 as we're recording this. But it worked out for both parties. Nate McMillan has Trey Young. I mean, he's a superstar. He's exactly. going to be a star in this league for years. The Pacers don't have a player of that, you know, they don't have a player like that on this roster. So, uh, so yeah, I think it worked out well for, for Nate as well as for the Pacers getting Rick Carlisle, who I would say is a better coach than Nate McMillan, um, in my opinion. Obviously, he's got a world championship and he's been in this league for years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it worked out well for, for both parties and, you know, you know, having to go through one year of Nate Bjorkren to get this, I'm not saying I'm satisfied fully all the way yet, but you know, last year it's just kind of a blip on the radar. Now, you know, I was super depressed, you know, just as everybody has been with the way that things shaken out, you know, over the last eight months, um, and Bjorkren was such a dud and, you know, terrible coach. Um, to get Rick Carlisle, you know, a week after he'd left. And, you know, you thought maybe he'd go to Boston. Boston ends up getting the guy from Brooklyn. Maybe he'd go to Milwaukee. Milwaukee's now in the conference finals. You know, they likely won't fire, fire Budenholzer unless, you know, they get swept by the Hawks or lose, you know, in easy fashion. But, like, it just – it worked out perfectly. They, they knew who they wanted Carlisle from, right from the bat. I'm not sure, you know, the specifics of when they kind of found out that 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 was going to happen, because I think they fired Bjorkren a couple weeks before Carlisle announced that he was leaving. So, you know, I'm sure they were working the back channels. I'm sure Larry Bird maybe had a Zoom call or two with Brick and he's like, hey, buddy, we, they want you in Indiana. What's it going to take for you to come here? And so from there, you know, maybe just kind of put the ball in Kevin Pritchard's court and all he had to do was negotiate the money, ask the assignments how much they'd spend for him. And I'm sure that connection there as well. You know, Carlisle was with the organization, not only as a head coach, but an assistant for three three years under Larry Bird. Um, yeah. You know, so he, he's got deep roots here. He, he's been here for several years. And so I'm sure that also played a role in them being like, okay, we know who this guy is. We know he's a stud coach. We know we're going to have to pay him, you know, well-deservingly how much he's going to make. And that's probably why I'm pretty sure they were willing to spin up to where they did, which was kind of a shock to me, but I'm very happy that they did so. Yeah, I think when we look back four or five years down the line, maybe maybe a little longer, Nate Bjorkren's going to be for the forgotten Indiana basketball coach. He's going to be the Dick Versace of this era <laughs> of basketball. And, you know, it sucks because this season was just so – 
it felt like we just kept getting hit in the nuts over and over. You know, we started off somewhat good, and then we just slid down out of the playoffs. Little spark of hope beating the Hornets, and then you know the Washington just absolutely destroyed us to to crush our hopes and dreams just when we got going again. So now we have the 13th pick, the new coach, whole off season to make some moves. When a year where uh, teams have money, but the free agent class is pretty legit too. So we'll see what happens. It should be interesting. The drama of the offseason is here. And so far I'm liking it. Well, yeah, and make no mistake. The Simons also knew that this fan base was fading away. They got, so pretty much what had happened, you know, this past decade, you had those couple years when we were Eastern conference bound, The you know, with fans were engaged, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And then you had the few down years. You still had Paul George, you know, Oladipo bringing life back to the franchise that rejuvenated this fan base for a couple more years. But now we're at the point where we have this coach this last season where, you know, things didn't work out. And, and, you know, Kevin Pritchard was, you know, probably, I would still say, in my opinion, he should be on the hot seat, even with this hire, because I wouldn't fully credit it for him, but he de- definitely deserves credit for it. Um, you know, a portion of the credit. Uh, make no mistake that this ownership team knew that they needed to go make a move like this to rejuvenate the fan base because mentally myself and yourself and other fans out there, we were all kind of checking out because we weren't really sure what to expect. We weren't really sure if this team was, you know, go try trying to compete. And they're at least by making this move saying, okay, we're not going to bottom out for the next three or four years. We're going to try to do something. All right. We got good pieces on this team. We have Karis LeVert. We got DeMontis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, TJ Warren coming back. This team has good pieces. They don't fit well together, but they have good pieces. They could make some trades, do something in the free agency market. But as a, you know, kind of an appetizer to what we're about to see this offseason, you know, those moves, which definitely need to be made, the Pacers can't afford to stand pat. This is definitely a great start to that. And it's definitely going to get the fan base back into it, which I think was kind of dwindling off because people were, you know, depressed like us with how things have shaken out over the last, you know, couple of years. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, hiring the coach was they, – they took their time. There was reports with Bjorkren. They didn't really even interview anyone else. They thought he was their guy from the beginning. So they took their time, probably didn't even have any other candidates right away that they had in mind. They just waited till things shook out. Carlisle, like you said, stepped away from Dallas. And, you know, it's kind of the perfect fit with how much the Simons love stability. The same guys in there. You know, they, they keep coaches maybe a little longer than they should. They definitely keep GMs longer than most other franchises would. There's some benefits to that. But, you know, if they can't draft, we're going to be right back in this spot, I think. So that's what I'm most nervous about. Just a first-round playoff exit year after year. If that's what, you know, we're getting excited for, it's going to suck. But right now, optimism is high, like you said. So we're, we're re-engaged, we're rejuvenated as a, a fan base and a franchise. So that's that's what you want with a new coach. You want that, you know, culture shift to happen. So hopefully we can get the players involved too and everyone on the same page. Well, yeah, this, this offseason was about, you know, 50-50. 50% of it's coming from, you know, you have to make the right coaching hire. Okay, that's done, but we're still not done yet. So we're about yeah. 50% of the way through. We need that last 50% of this offseason to be – to be stellar. I mean, we don't need to go out and get a superstar because that's not going to happen. You know, Trey Young's not going to come knocking at the door. A player like that isn't coming to Indiana. 
um, you know, unless, you know, magically a guy like LeBron James falls to 13 in the draft. And I'm sorry to tell you, but that's not going to happen. So, you know, we're going to have to go out and get, you know, a couple more stud pieces. You know, we're going to have to flip a couple of our pieces for some studs. We're going to have to, you know, maybe sign a couple veterans and free agency, you know, bring Doug McDermott back, a couple wing guys that can shoot, play defense. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, I'm not saying this team is going to win the championship next year by what they do in this offseason because I don't think they will. But I think, you know, if you have a good offseason, uh, you know, to finish this out, you know, I mean, this team was a playoff roster this year and with the injuries, injuries, obviously, you know, that, that, that they didn't make the playoffs due to the injuries more so than anything, but uh, you know, they're going to make the playoffs, but I think our next step is we want to, you know, advance in the playoffs. So I think that's the goal here. I'm not expecting to win the ring next year, but if we can at least advance, you know, second, Second round conference finals. I mean, this fan base would definitely be excited about that. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at our team compared to other teams, you know, our stars are still – they're in their prime right now. So that's the part that sucks. It's like the guys we do have that we love are in their prime, but we know it's not enough, you know, to get to where some of these other teams are. So we're pretty much – they're kind of in win-now mode with maybe a season buffer after this deal. I think – Obviously, you got to give a coach into a second year that he's on a four-year deal to see to see the change and the turnaround. But we definitely got to make the playoffs with this coaching hire and this roster. So if that doesn't happen, this will be another major disappointment. And I think it will. I think, you know, I'm optimistic going now going forward. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and you know, it's it's uh, like you said. I mean, make the playoffs. I don't only just want to do that. I want to be a higher seed in the playoffs. I want mm-hmm. you know. Look at getting a top four seed, advancing to that second round. And, I mean, you're looking with Atlanta right now. They were the fifth seed, and, you know, things kind of fell into place for them. They got a pretty good draw that first round against the Knicks, who weren't yeah. really a four seed. I mean, they they definitely overachieved this season. So they got a good draw there. And then, you know, the Sixers, I mean, they they obviously I'm, – I'm not discrediting the Hawks whatsoever, but, uh, you know, the, they've, they, uh, they definitely – I feel like the Hawks are like a year or two away from – where they should be at right now and you know they're able to do that so I don't know I mean you just get a couple of the right pieces in there and uh you know maybe you can shock some people in the playoffs um, yeah we've seen it two of the last just... three years you just got to get there you know when Toronto made their run you know the the Golden State Warriors were were pretty much a shell of themselves and this year the super teams faded off and with injuries again I mean I think the Bucks would be the closest with Giannis and obviously with Kawhi going down, he wouldn't put the Clippers in a super team being led by, you know, a little child that pees down his <laughs> leg consistently. So you just got to get there and things shake out in the playoffs. It's, it's happened to the last three years. So I think well, yeah. we have a good enough team to beat Atlanta and in in maybe a series if, if fully healthy. So well, we've never been able to beat Milwaukee, so I can't say that about them. But I, I think we're a lot closer than people think, but we just got to get there, like you said. Well, yeah, and also even Atlanta is an example. I mean, Phoenix, I mean, they yeah, I, I, they have a really good, well-constructed roster, a good coach, but it's not like they have – I mean, obviously Devin Booker's a stud and they have Chris Paul, but it's like – it's not like they're really like a super team. They're just a well-put-together team with a good coach. So 
Yeah, um, a team that I believe you said wasn't going to make the playoffs to start the year. Not to bring up old things. I'm just I just very vague remember that very vividly. Did I say? Did I yeah, say that? I had yeah, them in the Western was, Conference, and then you were like, oh, "I don't think so. I think their their bubble runs over." Yeah, I probably did say that. Yeah, it definitely wasn't over. And no, uh, they they are incredible. Yeah, um, definitely looking like they're going to. I don't know. I think they look like the champions. I mean, especially getting Chris Paul back. But anyways, um, yeah, which that would be cool to see because, you know, Suns. I mean, it's just look at this. I mean, smaller market teams are, are doing well. You got Milwaukee, you got Phoenix, uh, you know, not not the Clippers, but Atlanta. I mean, not really a small market, but they've never yeah. been to an NBA finals. So it's it's cool to see this in the NBA right now. And it definitely gives hopes to franchises like the Pacers that, you know, you do a couple of things right this off season. You got a good coach, you know, maybe you can make a run next year. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, Carlisle, definitely, you know, really excited about that. Like we said, second stint with the Pacers. Um, he's actually right now, he's the fifth winningest head coach in Pacers history. He's won 181 games. Um, this season he will pass Nate McMillan and Larry Brown. So he's going to be number three after this season. He's only like nine games behind, uh, Larry Brown, who is at number three right now. So, um, you know, the, the big thing with him, obviously the playoff experience, 63 wins in the playoffs. He's got the world title back in 2011 when he won the, won that ring with the Mavericks, um, you know, in, in that first stint with the Pacers, you know, Eastern Conference Finals appearance, lost to the Pistons in tragic fashion, but won a franchise record 61 games that year um, and then took them to the playoffs another two times during that stint. So, yeah, it's if you look at the the track record, it seems like, the, at least with the Mavericks and the Pacers, he does a lot better in the first few years than he does later on. So we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, look, looking forward to at least the next couple of years overachieving which is what he's done in his past few stints as head coach. And even with the Pistons as well, I forgot about them. He coached them for a few seasons. Yeah. The Pacers organization never ceases to amaze me how they can just pull, you know, a rabbit out of the hat out of nowhere. Right. When things are fading, hopes fading, you know, supports fading. They do these Paul George type moves. They hire this coach that brings back optimism. It's just like, they have made the perfect blueprint of just how to keep fans happy enough to keep them engaged. Now we just need them to actually, you know, go for it one or two seasons. We're not asking for much. We've stuck around through all some of this bullshit the last decade. So ups and the downs. So that's, that's, I'm just optimistic and like a new coach should bring as well. Like I said earlier. And speaking of that, I saw a tweet, I think it was Derek Schultz who had tweeted this. He said, uh, it was like a stat that the Pacers haven't had a single digit draft pick since like 1989. And I think that was obviously before you and I were born, but that was like Reggie Miller's second year in the league. <laughs> so you're talking about pulling rabbits out of their hat. I mean, they, yeah, for tend real. To just, they tend to just always do this. They don't ever bottom out, which is kind of frustrating. You know, some years like this year, for example, but mm-hmm. they just always seem to figure something out to kind of put a bandaid on for a couple of years. <laughs> and things fizzle out. And there are some good years mixed in there. Don't get me wrong. The Band-Aid has held us over a couple times. But, you know, like, we just want to get there. We want to get – we want to be the Phoenix Suns. We want to be the Atlanta Hawks. We want that opportunity. Yeah. And, and so I'm not going to steal too much away from your discussion with Jake later on. And I, and I know you've already got that recorded. But do you think this at all absolves 
uh, and you probably get into it more, so don't give too many details because I don't want you to repeat yourself. But do you think this absolves Kevin Pritchard at all? I mean, for the short term, I mean, what you're going to find is we both agree that he needed to do something to keep his job. Like we said, Simon loves the comfortability, with especially with the GM. So I think a, a firing would have been kind of shocking. It would have made sense after firing a coach, get the GM out too, get a whole new fresh. It would have made sense from a restart perspective, especially that this is the guy you just hired. Is that not on you? These are the draft picks you just drafted. Is this not on you? But, you know, like you said, the Band-Aid. We got a new coach now. I mean, Pritchard's next on the chopping block. So this doesn't work. You don't pay a guy $30 million. And then, you know, after having three three coaches in three years and then, you know, the new coach is the next thing you hire. It's not four. I mean, Pritchard's on the chopping block next if this doesn't work. So the pressure's still there. But as far as fans, I think it's definitely Band-Aided it for now. And we're forgiving. And the draft, you can get a lot of points back in the draft. You know, there's a lot of. There's a lot of prospects. People keep telling, talking about how this is a deep draft class I've been hearing. So if you just get a young guy and a new coach, the fan base is completely different because there's still good things you've done that we will remember. Don't get us wrong, but it's just it's the drafting and this whole Bjorkren saga has really dampened his legacy in my eyes. Yeah, and that's the one thing I will say. I think he's done well with, you know, obviously you get Jake gives him the flack for the centers and I'm sure he goes into that even later on, but like he's done well with trades. He's done well. I feel like with free agent signings, it's been the draft and then obviously the coaching uh, gaff that he made, obviously that are, you know, big X's on his resume. So don't get yeah. me wrong. He deserves credit for some of the moves he's made. I think Jake's a little harsh on him. Um, you know, he definitely deserves some criticism without a doubt. He definitely deserves to be on the hot seat. Uh, but yeah, just look at last year. It was a busted year, but O'Shea Brissett, I mean, that might've been Bjorkman's guy. He might've had a lot to do with it, but at the end of the day, it's Pritchard that's going to get the credit and look like a genius. Cause I mean, Brissett came out of nowhere and was exactly a piece we've always needed. So he's definitely done some good things. We can't look past that. Yeah. And so, uh, I guess my next point here is, and also wait, before I go into that, you were saying, you know, obviously Pritchard's next on the chopping block if things don't work out, but also you got to look at the players here as well, where this will be the third head coach in three seasons. Yeah. At some point, the locker room bullshit has to stop. You know, you can't, you can't take out at one point, if you keep getting rid of coaches, obviously the problem therefore lies in the players. Mm-hmm. So if they can't get along with Rick Carlisle, if they can't make this work, then you got to look at, you know, which of these guys do we need to get rid of? Because they need to also be held accountable for this because they've chased out two coaches the last two seasons. Yeah, for sure. And I think with McMillan, the sentiment was, you know, everyone's friendly. Everyone kind of liked McMillan, but it was time, you know, we had gotten to the mountain peak so many times, just falling straight off in the first round. So that one was more, you know, just X's and O's. Everyone seemed to like McMillan. Everyone in Atlanta seems to love McMillan. But Bjorken was just a totally different story. So I think now at this point, like you said, the third coach, if there's guys that aren't buying in, I think you're a lot quicker to be like, all right, well, then we're going to move you right away because we we got four years of this guy and we can't start off on the wrong foot. That would just be detrimental. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw – a lot of activity, like up until the trade deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if 
we got a typical Pacers year. You know, I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. Um, my uh, okay. So I got a couple more things here. Then we can get into that conversation you recorded with Jake. But uh, you know, I'm thinking here as well as we have the head coach here. I think you know, last year I think the big issue was finding assistant coaches who wanted to come and coach under Bjorkren because they think they really struggled finding guys to fill that role because I think it had been a rumor around the league, which apparently Kevin Pritchard hadn't heard, you know, that he was difficult to work with. And so I don't think they're definitely not going to have that issue with Carlisle. And I think they're going to definitely be able to go out there and, you know, get uh, a solid assistant coaching staff in place. So I know there's several other openings out there, but like, if you could even bring in like a guy like, you know, Steve Clifford from the magic or like, even if Terry Stotts doesn't get a job, you bring him in for a season, like going out and getting a couple, you know, big name assistants, not saying you're going to go out and bring like Dan Burke back from the Sixers, but you got to definitely, it, it starts with Carlisle, but you also have to fill out this, this coaching staff. And I think it's gonna be a hell of a lot easier with him because, you know, he's been in the league for so long. He has a bunch of relationships. He can bring people along with him rather than Bjorkren, who was a first-year head coach, with those, you know, rumors that, you know, he's kind of a dick. Yeah. I think Clifford would be an awesome one. I really do. I think I was impressed with what he did with that Magic's roster when they, you know, when they were not so good. I mean, he got them to the playoffs, and they were always a pain in our side, and I think he's always been a, a more up-to-date philosophy-style coach, so that would be good. I also would like to see maybe, like, a younger guy, like a – a former player recently, you know, try to get some connection with these guys because Carlisle isn't any younger. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think Shaw is like the under 19 coach right now for the USA. And like you said, Burke is gone. So we're not, I don't think any of those guys are coming back. So it's, it's a whole new crop. And that's really where a lot of, you know, the fundamentals and the day-to-day activity is through those assistant coaches. So I think they're a lot more important than people realize. So. That would be great if we can get, you know, a good, healthy, young crop of, you know, some good assistant coaches. That would be awesome. Would you be on board bringing Ron Artest on the staff? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that guy's got a lot of experience. I don't know where his head's at mentally, but if that's someone that's maybe calmed down and, you know, matured in their later la- later ages of life, that might not be a bad idea. I mean, because he's a guy, he's a name. Everyone knows. I mean, players connect with those kind of psychos, I think. I sent him a message on Twitter today. Asked him if he cared to come on the podcast to discuss the hiring. So we'll see if he responds to that. Old Ronnie. Yeah. God, that would be incredible. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen, but, uh, has he ever done like setting the pace or anything? He did. He did it with them a couple years ago. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure how they got him on there, but yeah, they've, they've gotten some, some good guys on there, but we don't really do interviews much because we kind of, they're kind of boring. I mean, honestly, especially if you're getting boring guests, like I thought we were getting at times. So, uh, yeah. no one wants to listen to Eddie Gill just babble on about the Pacers. <laughs> you have to do that every night anyway. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Um, so, yeah, very exciting time. It's a good day to be a Pacers fan. I. I told, I've told my wife several times today, I said, today was a really good day. And she just, you know, she keeps falling for the gimmick. She keeps asking me why, why was it a good day? I said, Rick Carlisle's the head coach of the Indiana Pacers. That's why it's a good day. So I've got her on that about 20 times today. 
and that's it's a great day. It's going to be a good week. I'm going to be excited. It's 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 very exciting time to be a fan. I haven't been this excited in years. Um, and you know we're probably going to go you know twenty and sixty or yeah twenty and sixty next year, whatever it is. Who cares? You know, let's just remember this moment where we were all excited today. Yep, well, absolutely. And a little more cause for excitement is. Carlisle has a daughter who's on TikTok that Rick does TikToks with her. I've already seen these clips going around and they're just as incredible as you think. I mean, we can do all kinds of stuff with these. They're out there. Rick Carlisle is a dancing machine. Yes, I have seen a, a video today and I saw it before of his dance moves. So we're for sure going to have to incorporate, incorporate that somehow with the Denary Floss. Somehow exactly. get both of those going. Um, but yeah, we'll look into that and, and get things going on that. But, uh, all right. Yeah. I, I, I have other things I do want to talk about, but I want to save those for later on. Cause like, like we've said, you know, this next month, you know, especially after the finals wrap up, we're going to have a lot of content to talk about and it's going to be an exciting time. And I don't really want to repeat myself over and over, but, uh, definitely, you know, like I said, very exciting time. I feel like big roster moves are coming up in the next couple of weeks, so uh, it'll be interesting to look into that, to talk about what could happen and then actually discuss it when it does happen. So I'm looking forward to that. But let's just enjoy this win for tonight. You know, we have a big win here. Um, let's enjoy it for the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm a very happy man tonight. So two questions before we get off. When is the, What day is the draft? I know it's during the week. Um, let me pull that up. I had it. I actually looked it up today, and I can't remember. And my second question is going to be your NBA finals prediction. Who gets there and who wins and how many games? So the NBA draft is, I know it's like the last week of July, July 29th of 2021. Okay. So we have a full month and five days. And NBA free agency starts on August the 3rd. So just a few days later. Perfect. So, uh, so yeah, that'll be a Thursday. The draft is on, and then NBA free agency starts a few days after that. So that'll be exciting times there. As for my finals prediction, I'm going to go with, and I mean, I mean, the Suns are already up 2-0, but the Clippers have been down 2-0 in each round. I don't think Kawhi's coming back. Playoff PP. I mean, he just got way too in his head with those free th- that free. F- free throw gaff. I mean, I mean come he, on, you he's gotta... got every big game. He has one moment and all he has to yeah. do is succeed in that one moment. And he loses half the shit he gets. He just can't do it. And he just it, needed to make one free throw. It's getting to the point where I feel bad. And I know this isn't a new take. People have been saying they feel bad. We're in this pussy generation where everyone feels bad for these guys making multiple and multiple millions of dollars. But I mean, legitimately, he's had this tag on him since the year he left Indiana as being a choke artist, and he just – I mean, it's getting worse. It's, he'll have a monster game, but then he'll just throw it all down the drain. I mean, I'd much rather have a guy like him than a guy like Ben Simmons. It's a totally different, you know, kind of dynamic. One is, you know, expected to make those plays. One never has. So, it's just – it's interesting where we see superstars go after the playoffs because – their stock rises and falls like no other. But if I had to pick, I would pick Suns and Bucks. I think the Bucks come back and gets it done. I just think they're the better team. And I think at the end of the day, the good coaching 
and you know that outstanding play of the Suns, you know, comes back. Cameron Payne's averaging almost thirty points a game. Like, like who? <laughs> like what is happening? Like they're just absolutely fun to watch. So I think it's Suns Bucks with Suns winning. Yeah, and that you know, another point on Paul George. I mean, he's like a ninety percent free throw shooter. So it's like yeah. if you want him in any situation, you want him at the free throw line. And so. Like literally, it's just you know he's in his head so much that he got he can't he developed this persona himself, gave himself his own nickname. Exactly. And ever 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 since he did that, I mean, it's just you know he, he like you said he'll have a good performance, you know here and there, but then he just completely screws it up with something. So uh, so yeah, I, I Kawhi's not coming back to save this team. Yeah. You know he's likely out. And so there's only so many times you can get down 2-0 in a series. You know, you could probably afford to do that against the Mavericks in the first round. Uh, Who they have last round, I can't even remember. Um, Jazz. Jazz, they could afford to do that. This Suns team is is solid. They've they've been well-constructed, have good coaching. Um, and, you know, they're getting Chris Paul back, you know, in game three here tonight. So, um I don't think they're going to do it again, you know, especially with Kawhi not coming back. So I have the Suns winning this series, um, which I'm really going out on a limb there because they're up 2-0. But I got the Suns winning it. And then, like you said, I feel like, you know, I feel like the Hawks will probably make it competitive. But I have the Bucks winning it in probably six games, maybe seven. Maybe the, the Hawks take it the distance. But um, typically what we see is, you know, these these teams – play a lot better you know these underdog teams play a lot better game one on the road yeah. i have a feeling the bucks are going to come out and probably you know stomp on them in game two but i still think it's going to be a competitive series so yes i have suns bucks and then from there i will be rooting probably for the suns but i think that the bucks probably pull it out so i'll, I'll take the bucks as my champion um i'm gonna regret it Somehow Mike Budenholzer is going to screw it all up, but <laughs> give me Suns Bucks, and I'm going to take the Bucks. I want the Bucks to win just to be vindicated for all the times they've absolutely destroyed us, and like games that aren't even close, the Bucks just absolutely roll us. So that's why I want them to win, but I still think it's going to be the Suns. Well, well, well yeah, not not only that, but also it's a win for the little guy, which you're getting a small market team who kept a superstar player sign him yep. to a max deal and they won so it gives hope to the little guy then maybe you could see like a shift in the nba to where these superstars are like hey i don't need to go team up with you know such and such i can stay here and win a ring so i think i think it definitely would benefit the entire nba as a whole if the bucks are able to win this season even with these other teams being injured get a get a ring and maybe it'll change the dynamic We'll see, but yeah, I don't have a problem with maybe a team up here and there, but it's when the Nets just come out of nowhere and do what they did. And, you know, the, the Warriors were somewhat self-made, but adding Kevin Durant, I mean, that's where you get the casual fans pissed off. Like this is getting absolutely ridiculous. So uh, definitely one for the little guys. Yep. So, all right, that's all I got. So uh, we'll finish this episode up. You have a nice conversation with, uh, with coach light. So uh, I won't delay the listeners out there. I know, Jake's got a couple big fans who always tweet at him and they love his, his takes. A lot of people don't love his takes though, because every time he tweets, we lose followers. So I uh, just want to get that on, get that on the record that he's annoying as shit on the Twitter machine. So uh, yeah, yeah, let's I go. Mean, 
Jake goes down to Miami, Florida, and a building collapses. I don't. Th- I think there's a correlation there. <laughs> Definitely, he just—he's always got to have something chaotic and drama. Yeah. He's got to have some type of drama in his life, and he's got to be arguing. And so, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So, yeah. All right, listeners, we're gonna move on to that. Enjoy this conversation. Good day to be a Pacers fan. Yep, absolutely. Before we get into our conversation with that crazy SOB, Jake, I need to talk to you about Kansas City Steaks. Kansas City Steak Company wants to make this your best grilling season ever. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com and get 15% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to hard-to-find specialty cuts and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. These are steakhouse-quality steaks, aged to perfection. They make it so easy, each order is flash-frozen and delivered directly. Satisfaction guaranteed, or your money back. Enjoy their butter-tender filet mignon, heart Kansas City strip steaks, and savory ribeyes. It's been a hard year, so enjoy being together again and bringing the steakhouse to your house with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 15% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. That's KansasCitySteaks.com, code SD. Do it now. We now welcome on our favorite friend here, Jake Light, to get his thoughts down in Florida on vacation. So, Jake, hit us with your thoughts on Rick Carlisle, Rick Carlisle, Rick returning <laughs> to the Indiana Pacers. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, first off, what great news. I was actually driving down to Miami. Um, you know, I was m- moving from Tampa to Miami on this trip, and and Chris called me, and uh, I was super excited, obviously. Um, I wasn't as shocked as, as I think some people were that Carlisle was serious about coming back to Indiana, uh, mostly because I think he was kind of tired of, of living that superstar lifestyle of, of coaching Luca. Obviously, him and Luca, that relationship had deteriorated. So um, the, the thing that shocked me the most about the whole situation was that dude, the Simons paid up. They paid, they paid up four years. I think it was like $29 million. Yep. And, uh, I mean, that's paying the piper. And so I think we give them a lot of, uh, a lot of crap about not moving into the luxury tax and, and doing some of those things, that some of the other owners do in order to compete, but I, I will give hats off to the Pacers. I, and I'll give hats off to Pritchard. I know I don't say that often, but I think they truly got the best, the best experienced candidate on the market. Um, I did, I, I haven't been tweeting a lot from the born ready account the past couple of days, which is obviously an oddity for me, but I did see where Chris said, or I think it was Chris, that he was the best coach on the market. And uh, I, I'm not sure I completely agree with it. I think he's obviously the best coach with experience on the market. But um, I think that there are some other younger assistant coaches that are probably more coveted by those top teams like the Celtics, uh, who just hired their head coach, because um, they're a little bit cheaper and they're a little more uh, newer in their offensive and defensive philosophy. So obviously for what the Pacers need, I definitely think Rick Carlisle, he, he was our best candidate. He he was what we needed. He was definitely the number one candidate on our radar. We paid up uh, to prove that point. So uh, hats off to the organization for going out and getting the big fish that they wanted. And, and uh, I think this says a lot about the direction we're heading. I think, um, um, there's no one on this team like Luca that uh, can have the big ego. We should we do we do not have one player on this team that should have a big ego, um, so big that you know that they wouldn't listen to a coach of Rick Carlisle's stature. So 
Um, it's going to be a little bit different for him coming in. And, and obviously with our current roster construction, I think we'll see some changes and uh, necessary changes that need to be made. And, and I'm pretty excited uh, with this hire, to be honest with you. Hawk, I know uh, you mentioned before this, this is probably going to get thrown in at the end of your in uh, Chris's little spot here since I have to record early. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, you definitely can't go from hiring Bjorkren to like another assistant coach. I don't think. I think after the one year incident, I don't think the fan base would be happy. I think the media might even slam you at that point. If Carlisle was ever on the table, it took four years, twenty nine million to get it done. I think we're all happy with that. Now, will it pan out in the long run? It it depends on what Pritchard and you know if if the ownership wants to spend more money or what kind of moves we're willing to make. I know that you mentioned, or he mentioned specifically in 2019, he said a post-up is not a good play anymore. So just that thought alone makes you think that at least something, something of great magnitude is still coming down the pipeline. So I like the hire, but I want to hear what you think about his coaching philosophy and just that statement in 2019, specifically when he said the post-up wasn't a good play, what, what kind of changes do you see coming? Well, and, I, and it's no secret. I obviously agree with that sentiment. I, I think the post-up game is uh, there's a place for it. And I, and I think the place for it is, is, you know, early on in games when you need a bucket kind of to get going. And I think obviously if there's one thing that we've learned throughout these NBA playoffs, I mean, if you really watch, you know, even the 76ers with Joel Embiid, who is clearly my God, he's clearly their best player down the stretches in games, he, he wasn't posting up. He was, he was more on the outside trying to make plays. And uh, even when they were getting him the ball in, in situations, he was getting close to the rim. He airballed a couple of shots. So yeah. it's just down the stretch in games. I mean, it's clear where it's going. It's, it's in the guards hands. And, and, um, and I think Rick Carlisle is, is completely right on that. And, and his philosophy, if you, and I've actually watched, I've watched quite a bit of Mavs games this year. He wants to get up and down the floor. And, and I think what, what people, I'm, I'm just seeing a little bit on Twitter because I just got stopped at the hotel. But from what I'm seeing, I think a lot of people are thinking he's this old style coach just because he's been around the game. He, he actually evolved quite a bit over the last couple of years. I mean, if you really watch, if you really watch the style they wanted to play, they, they were playing Boban they were playing Boban in the second, you know, second run of minutes, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game. And that's kind of what you want out of a backup center, but they were playing Kristaps a lot more at center. And he is not a traditional center. He might be seven foot feet tall, but he is not a traditional center and he really spreads the floor. And so I think, um, and if you remember, if you remember right, Hawk, and maybe you and Chris talk about this a little bit later, but I mean, the Mavs were one of the teams that were were pushing for Miles Turner at various points in Turner's career. And it's yeah. because Turner is not, he is not a traditional center on the offensive end of the floor. Defensively, sure, he's a rim protector, but he is more of a spread and shred guy. And I know it drives some fans nuts, but that's kind of what I think uh Carlisle once in a center and I think this probably more so than anything else I think this would point to if there is a breakup now with this hire I think the breakup would come with Domas um, because he is the more of the traditional post-up guy now I'm not saying a trade is imminent or he has to get traded I do think this this hire for Pritchard gives them more of a um 
uh, it gives him an opportunity to say, hey, if Rick Carlisle can't make this work with two centers, uh, it's just not going to work. So maybe this does go one more one more year. But I think between those two guys, Turner and Sabonis, I think Sabonis is now more likely to be the guy moved because of Carlisle's more modern philosophy. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I guess, you know, Rick Carlisle has, he's been learning the new tricks of the trade with today's NBA and, and the way he ran the Mavericks the past couple of years really reflected that. And I think they've overachieved the past couple of years, even though they've had Luca. Uh, you know, Chris Stapps hasn't been great and, and the rest of the roster was not good. And so Carlisle's coaching job and, and the way he managed minutes for his guards and forwards, I think that's exactly where the Pacers need to go. And so I think his philosophy on the offensive end would tell me that maybe Sabonis might be the guy that gets moved. Well, let me ask you this. Does Nate McMillan look like he's coaching a different style of offense? Uh, from what I've seen, I, I, I do think that he is, it's so hard to say yes to that, but I, I do think he is, he's definitely more of the up-tempo coach, but it, when you have Trey Young, it, it makes everything so much easier. Like, exactly. You That's can my tell point. Trey personnel, when you have a Jason Kidd, when you have a Luka, yes. you're going to have to play modern basketball. So that would be the one knock I would have is we still don't have the personnel. So I don't necessarily know if it matters who the coach is. We, have, we spent yeah. this money but something still has to be done. I would hate to see us run the same thing back again. I really would. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, we, I mean, I, I don't want to harp on it because I know I've made fun of in the group chats about, about my takes on the centers, but I mean, yeah. you've hit it. I mean, it's, it, you, you've hit it completely. And Malcolm Brogdon's he's not that guy. I mean, he's not the point guard that's going to run a high octane offense. Brogdon was a perfect point guard for what, we were trying to do under McMillan with Mc. I think McMillan's key offensive principles are the slowdown game where he's drawing up plays. He's a play oriented guy. Whereas yeah, he did that. Uh, well. you, yeah. And he did it well for us. It's just, you know, he did, I don't think he managed minutes right. And, and mm -hmm. it's a little bit easier on this Hawks team because, you know, and I sent a tweet out, they're winning. The Hawks are winning with the head coach we previously had with uh, Bogey 2, who we tried to sign as a restricted free agent, and, uh, and John Collins, who we should have drafted over TJ Leaf. And, and so that, that Hawks blueprint is awfully similar to what we wanted, except they obviously had Trey Young. And uh, that's what happens when you have a top three pick. You can take guys that maybe uh, can you know transcend your, your franchise. But I think you're completely right. And here's – you got to have a guy that can control the tempo with the ball. And I think maybe because they spent so much money on Carlisle. Okay. The, the, the Simons, they don't want, they don't want their money to go to waste. So I think that the fact that they spent so much money might point to uh, maybe a point that maybe they are going to try to redo this roster because the last thing you want to do is give all this money to Carlisle and then say, hey, I know you like to play up-tempo, but we can't because of our personnel. So that would tell me that we might be under a, a time of transition here, which is exactly what we need. I think best-case scenario for us, if we want to compete, I'm thinking like a six or a seven seed. But if we could pull off a six or a seven seed with kind of our roster turned over next year, not next year, but the next next year is when we could see it take off because if we could turn over the roster in two years, we could really compete with one of the best modern, you know, coaches in the game. So that's why I'm excited. I think the fact that we paid up for Carlisle points to the fact that if you're going to pay up for one side of it, you better pay up 
and, and go out and make this roster a little more modernized. And I think Pritchard, you know, I give him a lot of shit, but he, the last thing he wants to do is lose his job. And uh, it's clear the way he was going through things, it wasn't going to be a good thing. It, it wasn't going the right way. We were trending backwards. So maybe he's smart enough to say, hey, you know, um, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Let's go get Carlisle. Let's have him be a part of this player development and, and roster construction. Let's move on from there. And if if Pritchard is smart enough to do that, then I will give him, you know, big time kudos. Yep, I, I agree with that. So. I think that's all needs to be said for now. I'm sure we'll Absolutely. get back on before uh, the draft. As you know, the Pacers have the 13th pick, so a lot of options there I'm sure we can discuss. So yep. it's good to hear your reaction again and get talking Pacers. Yep, love hearing it. Can't wait to hear what uh, you and Chris say about it. I'll probably listen to that on uh, on my flight back to Indiana in a few days. So um, excited to hear what you guys are, uh, are thinking. And I, obviously I think it's a good day to be a Pacers fan. One of the few this year, but a good day to be a Pacers fan. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, good seeing you. Talk to you later. See y'all.